grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to read to you again our selection from 2 Corinthians, where Paul writes, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Brothers and sisters, Are you sick and tired of hearing about it? Are you tired of people shoving this relationship down your throat? Everywhere you look, you're hearing about this love. Are you so excited for today to be over because you're hoping that maybe after today we can finally stop talking about these people and their personal lives? Are you sick of hearing the gospel? Or is that not what you thought I was talking about? Did something come immediately to your mind? Something that you've heard a lot about and against your will, it seems. Did something come to mind that you thought of that people seem to want you to care about, but you don't care about it? You're not interested. It doesn't appeal to you. Because you and I, we only have so much mental bandwidth. We have other things going on in our lives. There are other things going on in the world. So when somebody demands that we care about something that we just don't, it's annoying, isn't it? People were annoyed with the Apostle Paul. That's why he had to write 2 Corinthians. Because Paul had a way of going from city to city, starting up a church in, in the name of Jesus, preaching the true gospel. And because his call was to keep going, was to keep being an apostle of Christ, he would leave and he would set up leaders to take over from there. But you could call the church that gathered in Corinth one of Paul's problem children. Because every time he left, it seemed like things just got really bad. And in Paul's absence, a couple people stood up and tried to take the authority away from Paul and what he said. And they said, you know that Paul guy, he's so boring. He's old news. He's a has-been. He's irrelevant. I mean, if Paul as an apostle of Christ was really all that, wouldn't he have a bigger following? And yet people hate his guts. If Paul were really all that as an apostle of Christ, wouldn't his speeches, his sermons be more moving, more stimulating, more intellectual, more emotional? If Paul were all that as an apostle of Christ, then when he leaves his church, wouldn't it go better than it's going in Corinth with all this hatred and these cliques and this misunderstanding of Scripture? And so they were saying these things and getting people to ditch Paul and his teaching altogether. So Paul has to write 2 Corinthians to set the record straight. But in our selection for today, in these verses, Paul reminds us, or enlightens us, 
to the fact that if we are just going to follow whatever interests us, if we're only going to listen to a message, if it scratches the cultural itch that we have, then that's actually a dangerous way to approach the truths of God. Paul warns us about the danger, but he shows us where to look, how to avoid it. But first he addresses that accusation that if Paul were a better apostle, he would have more people following him. Paul is ready to admit that a lot of people hear his preaching and they don't believe it. But the thing is, there's nothing wrong with liking good food, but Paul was not called to be a chef. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be entertained and going to the movies, but Paul was not called to be a director of film. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be intellectually stimulated, but Paul was not called to be a math professor. Paul was called to preach Christ crucified because there's much more at stake than just keeping people interested. Paul identifies that reason why some people don't follow him, don't listen. It's because there's something else going on. Paul knows too much about what we are as humans. He's seen it himself. Paul had a definitive point in his life when he was converted by Christ. He, remember, he was on the road to Damascus, and Jesus appeared to him and shone the glory of his, of his presence into Paul's heart and into Paul's life, blinding him. And so Paul, forever, he knew his life as two different portions. The time before he knew Christ, when he was living in darkness and separated and living separate from the God that created him, and his time after Christ, when now he knows Jesus as the fulfiller of his true needs. You see, you are not just a body that needs to be fed. You are not just a mind that needs to learn. You are not just a heart that needs to feel. You are a soul. And Paul knows now, as an apostle of Christ, that the only way to provide what our souls truly need is through the gospel. Because what our souls truly need is to be loved by the God that created us, to belong to the God that created us. So no, Paul is not going to sacrifice the gospel of Jesus Christ for the sake of being more entertaining, for the sake of getting more people to follow him, for the sake of getting, getting a bigger following and, and being a prominent person in the church. He knows too much. He knows that the gospel is what our souls need. But Paul says there's someone else who knows that too. He calls him the God of this age, the devil. Now, Paul is not being some generational snob saying, oh, kids these days or times are so bad right now. He calls the devil the God of this age, as in the age that exists between creation and Jesus coming, restoration. This is the time where the devil is doing his thing, and boy, is he good at it. The devil knows that your soul will be restless until it finds rest in God alone. So what the devil will do, since he knows how easy it is to distract us, is he'll get us to treat something as if that's the answer to our soul's greatest need. Whether it's a young Christian man's pursuit of a spouse, or your thoughts on the next election, your thoughts on the game later, 
or some, somebody's honest questions about God and his will. The devil can use it. But pastor, you might say, those are all important things. And yes, you're right, exactly. If the devil can get you to believe that something bad is actually good, he's all for it. If that will work on you, he'll try it. But one thing he has a lot of success with, with me, you, with Christians everywhere, is getting us to treat something that is good, not just as good, but as the best. To get us to look to something that is important, but to treat it not just as important, but as the most important. To get a young Christian man to pray for a spouse, not just because he wants, not just because he wants a blessing from God, but he's treating God like his accessory. And he only cares about God if God is going to give him what he wants. Or a Christian thinks about the outcome of the next election, very important, but the Christian prays about it as if this is God's chance to prove his control over human history, and if he doesn't, he'll fail. Or a Christian has honest questions about their faith, but they treat God about these questions as if God is sitting in the witness stand and they're the prosecuting attorney. God, you better explain yourself to me. And one of the devil's favorite tricks is to pull the veil over our hearts and have us treat God like a side character who is only relevant if he's helping us get what we really want instead of seeing that God is all our soul wants. God is the most important. And unfortunately, this works. Paul identified, unfortunately, there are people who the devil has successfully blinded to the truth of the glory of God. But you see, you are so much more than a body that needs to be fed, than a mind that needs to be stimulated and to learn, than, than a heart that needs to feel God knows this because he created you. God created you, body, mind, and soul. God created you originally to enjoy a relationship with him. When we, were, we inherited that sin, we inherited that darkness and that blindness from our first parent. But God came to solve that problem, to cure our blindness and give us sight to speak light into our darkness like he did at creation when he said, let there be light, and by a simple word he created light. God created light in your heart. This is how he did it. God removed the veil that was covering your heart by veiling himself in human flesh. God enlightened you to his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, by embracing shame and dishonor, and violence, and hatred, and sin, and death. Jesus Christ came as God's cure for our blindness, as the answer to all of our soul's deepest yearnings and longings. God has fully provided for what you need. God says that Jesus is the image of God. Now, he doesn't mean that Jesus is a photocopy of God. Jesus, Paul means that when you look at Jesus, you see God. That's what the transfiguration was all about, to show those three disciples for a brief glimpse in time that this is God, full of glory and truth, which means that everything you hear Jesus say in the Gospels, God is saying it. 
Everything you see Jesus do, you are seeing God in action. And when you see God in action, you see how he feels about you. When you see Jesus miraculously turn water into wine or multiply bread and fish, you see Jesus does care about bodies. He cares about your body to provide for them. When you hear Jesus say to Mary, don't cry, when he says to his disciples, do not be afraid, Jesus cares about your emotions, he cares about your heart. That same Jesus, when you see him go up to a cross and be nailed to it by evil, wicked men, and give up his life and be thrown into a tomb, the house of the dead, but to break forth from that tomb full of glory once again, in full glory, you see, Jesus cares about your soul. And only in him will your soul find what it needs. Acceptance, love, forgiveness, cleansing, and salvation. It's only in Jesus. See, Jesus loves you. He loves all of you, body, heart, mind, and soul. And he came to redeem all of us, to bring you to God, Paul says in another place. And so is it wrong to want to feel emotion? No, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to want to be entertained. It's not wrong to want to eat good food. But it's like this. Certain medications that are prescribed to treat a, a bigger issue have side effects. Well, all medications have side effects. But sometimes the side effects are not bad. One medication might stifle your appetite, help you lose a little bit of weight, and then another medication might increase your appetite, help you eat a fuller diet so that you're a little bit more healthy. What doctors will be careful to do is they will prescribe medication according to the big issue that they want to treat, the larger treatment, right? Not just the side effects. And so we don't come to church just to feel happy, do we? But it's a likely side effect of the gospel of Jesus Christ that you are eternally loved, eternally forgiven. It's likely that that's going to make you feel comforted and happy. We don't come to church just to spend time with our friends. But it's likely that as you draw near to the cross and you enjoy the fellowship in the truth, that you are blessed with a brotherhood, with, with a sisterhood, with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we don't come to church just to eat, like we're going to after church today. But there's a certain blessing to be able to share food and break bread with brothers and sisters. There's biblical precedent for that. But we don't forget what the big reason why we are all here is, myself included. It's to get our spiritual needs met. To go back to the cross, to go back to the message of Christ crucified, and here again, where we get our belonging, where we get our forgiveness, where we get our salvation. And so no, we're not going to get sick of hearing the gospel. It's not old news. We can hear it again and again and again because it's the only thing that's going to answer our soul's deepest longings, our deepest yearnings. Paul's adversaries, his opponents in Corinth, they weren't only just wrong about Paul's ministry. They didn't only just misunderstand that Paul was not trying to preach himself. He wasn't trying to be some, some social media influencer. 
but they were being insulting. Not just to Paul, but to Paul's people. To you. Because from their point of view, all people are is just intellects that need to be stimulated, emotions that need to be manipulated, bodies that need to be fed. Paul, and now you and me, we know too much. We know that each and every one of us is also a soul, which means that each and every one of everyone you know is a soul. And if they don't know Jesus, they don't have their spiritual needs met yet because that can only happen in Jesus. So they need to be brought to the one fountain from which they can receive this great blessing of knowing God's love, knowing the glory of Christ through his actions for us. So are you struggling with how to share your faith with someone who doesn't know Jesus yet? Try this. Just show him Jesus. Just bring up what Jesus has done, because then you will be talking about God's glory through Jesus Christ. Don't agonize too much about the most intelligent way to draw, to draw Jesus into the conversation. Just show someone Jesus. Do so kindly, with compassion, of course, but recognizing that it's not super wise arguments that's going to win people over for Christ. It's Jesus. Because God is the one who shines the light of the gospel into hearts and cures blindness and removes that veil, and he is doing that thousands and thousands of times every day through the simple gospel of Jesus. And he might just use you to do that too. Amen.